Wednesdays with Walton on Scoops with DannyMac.com. And we're brought to you by the Home Loan Expert. The purchase market still fierce competition. It's crazy out there. The moment a house goes on the market, there's 10, 20, 30, 40 offers on it day one. It's never been more important. You are working with a strong mortgage lender. That is my good friend, Ryan Kelly, and he is the home loan expert. Also, if you're currently sideways with the IRS, do you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night? Then you need to call Mark Milton. IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com. He is the managing attorney of the Milton Law Group. Mark and his team of pros specialize in civil and criminal tax controversies. If you have problems with your taxes, make sure you get a hold of Mark Milton, stltaxlawyer.com. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision. should not be based solely on advertisements. All-Star break is here, but we don't stop. It is Scoops with Danny Mack and Wednesdays with Walton with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Hey, Brian, uh, good afternoon to you. And uh, as always, thanks for making time for me and, and for our listeners. Absolutely. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't miss it for the world. What did you think of the All-Star game? I just want to get your initial thoughts on Home Run Derby, Celebration of Albert, All-Star game. What did you think? Uh, the Home Run Derby is a lot of fun. It's exciting, except the only thing that bothered me, it, it just seemed to be such slow-paced. And I know you can really only have one person hitting at a time, but it just, it for me, it kind of seemed to drag on, and I wished... You know, maybe they could cut it from three minutes to two minutes or something, you know, because after a while, you know, whether you hit 20 or 30 home runs, you kind of you got the idea. But in terms of an exciting event, it was fun, and it was nice to see, uh, you know, not only Albert do well, but also to show the appreciation that he got from both the other players as well as the fans in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's what I took away. It was kind of a celebration of Albert, which is why you have a commissioner's pick, and that's why you, you have – guys that uh, need to be selected for the, the the idea of celebrating the game and really celebrating an individual that's meant so much to the game. And that, that's what I love about it. Yeah, and I think that, that decision was overdue. I mean, there have been times in the past where there have been other players who are, you know, nearing the end of their very celebrated careers. And, of course, their numbers, you know, didn't justify it necessarily that particular year. But, you know, over the course of their career, you would like to have seen them got the chance to, to be recognized. So uh, long overdue, but it's nice it, it happened for uh, Albert this year. And, you know, you would like to see maybe Yadier Molina get a chance as well. But, you know, he's still back in Puerto Rico, so that wasn't, a, wasn't an issue. Seems to be the case that uh, the draft will coincide with uh, the all-star game and, and make sure that major league baseball is still front and center at this time of the year before football really kicks into to full gear and colleges are back and the NFL and so on and so forth. So I, I like the idea of doing the draft at this time of year. I don't know about you, but what did you think? Yeah, there's multiple factors here. I guess the one thing I would say is it was a disappointment for me that the futures game uh, was put on a, a network peacock that doesn't have a lot of paid subscribers. And, you know, I think if the game is trying to sell its future stars, you know, they maybe should have made a decision that wasn't money driven and, you know, allowed that game to be seen by more people because Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, you know, both played in that game, but most people didn't see it. Uh, but to the draft, the draft is another thing that's been added to the All-Star Weekend, and I agree with you, Dan. I think this change is good for multiple reasons. The first is that the draft traditionally being in the second week in June, that landed right on top of the College World Series, and it was a distraction for the game. It was a distraction for the players. It was just not great timing. In addition, the window of to sign players went from June, you know, all the way to August, and that was too long. 
most times when players get drafted, at least in the first 10 rounds, the teams and the players' representatives have already had some discussion about signability and about how much it's going to cost. And so, you know, you don't need six or eight weeks to figure out whether a player is going to sign. And so by having the draft now, the, the seasons are over, the players can rest up a little bit, they can be ready to go. And, you know, between now and, and August when the deadline is, uh, you know, they can get down to business and either the player is going to sign or he's, he'll have time then by mid-August to decide if he's going to re-enroll in school because a lot of the players, including ones drafted by the Cardinals, you know, were, were underclassmen. And so they have the opportunity to go back to school if they so choose. So I think the changes uh, in the timing of the draft overall are good for both the teams and the players. I, I guess the only downside, and it's a small one, is that the players won't get a full summer, you know, to play professionally. But most of them have already played their their college uh, and high school seasons. So, you know, the Cardinals have always been careful with their pitchers the first year anyway. So I don't think it's a big, uh, big downside in terms of player development to have that draft a month later. Couldn't agree with you more on the uh, futures game. And uh, I think it was Dave Roberts was asked, Hey, did you watch a futures game? And he said, well, we don't get that in our clubhouse. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, come on a, the games, you know, that's I mean, a problem. that's yeah. And you know, again, I, it's easy to be critical of Major League Baseball. You know, they're trying to generate more revenue, and that's a good thing. But there are some times where these decisions are made, and I don't think they're made in the best interest of the fans in the game, and it's just it's too bad. Yeah, you mentioned pitching, and the Cardinals went heavy with pitching, generally speaking, in this draft. But let's talk about the, the first-round pick, a lefty, and this guy's got a funky delivery, funky sidewinder almost. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about him. Looking at video, I, he looks pretty nasty to me. Yeah, we're talking about Cooper Jerpy out of Oregon State University, who was uh, taken 22nd overall and uh, very successful in the Pac-12 conference. And that's an area that Randy Flores knows, uh, having been the scouting director Randy Flores for the Cardinals, who was a former pitcher at uh, USC. And, um, you know, he's like you said, he's got this unique look and it's it makes hitters uncomfortable. You can see in some of the video, which, by the way, we have posted at the Cardinal Nation that. You know, some of the batters aren't sure where the ball's coming from and where it's going to go. And and in addition, Jerpy also has been very, very successful at throwing strikes. And again, this sounds so basic, but how many times have you been sitting there in the booth calling major league games and you've got guys who can't consistently throw strikes? And, you know, the Cardinals in, in a number of their picks here in the early round, three left-handers in a row, got guys who don't necessarily – they're not 6'8", you know, 260. They're not throwing 100 miles an hour but they're throwing strikes. They're getting outs. And, you know, that is the name of the game you know, underestimated in terms of its importance. hundred oh, percent. And that's what I've noticed that Randy, the last couple of years, if they've gone pitching to your point, it's not necessarily the guy that jumps off the page with weight, height, that kind of thing and throwing 200 miles an hour. It's, Hey, you know what? This guy's a pitcher. He, he throws strikes and he gets outs. And again, that's the name of the game. But again, you know, it's interesting, Dan, you know, somebody on social media, you know, asked me, well, is it the Cardinals strategy to pick low velocity pitchers? And I said, well, no, of course not. That's not the strategy. The strategy is to get guys who can advance through the system quickly and who have the potential to be major leaguers. And we saw, we've seen most recently in guys uh, like Andre Pallante, in Ryan Helsley, in uh, Gordon Graceffo, that even though these are college pitchers, 
who have you know got a lot of experience, they can find more velocity with the right type of training, the right type of regimen, the right type of coaching. You know, they might be able to find a few more mile an hour, and that takes them from a you know so-so velocity guy to a guy that's interesting. So, you know, people, it's easy to pass judgment on the drafts based on looking at, at guys' stats, but their development isn't done. And so Randy Flores and his team's job is to find the guys. And sometimes they're in the rough. And then it's the job of Gary LaRock and all the coaches and the scouts, or the coaches and the uh, instructors and player development side to take that raw material and get them ready for the major leagues. And overall, the Cardinals, uh, you know, over the last half a dozen years have done a pretty good job in player development. And that's one reason why, despite drafting near the end of the draft, this year 22nd out of 30, the Cardinals continue to find guys who contribute at the major league level, like we've seen this year with guys uh, not only like a, a Nolan Gorman, sure, a first rounder, but guys like Brendan Donovan and guys like Palante who weren't big bonus guys when they came out of college. With a guy like Jerpy, now, what do you think the next, uh, as you've seen in the last handful of years, college pitcher has some polish. What's the next uh, step for him? I mean, obviously, he got a sign, but then where does he go and how careful are they with him? I think the easy, well, and, and again, uh, that the last question is the $64,000 one, Dan, and that is that the Cardinals are going to assess where he is physically right now. Uh, you know, how much, how stressful was his college season this year? What kind of shape is his arm in? Did he continue to throw during the time off? And they'll make a decision how much you're going to pitch him. We saw with McGreevy last year, they only pitched him, I think, seven or eight one-inning outings. But if Jerpy's, you know, a capable of doing more like Graceffo, on Graceffo on the other hand last year, Graceffo had a relatively light workload. He actually pitched in a, in, a, in an all-star league in between when his college season ended and the draft. And so he was ready to roll and came out, you know, throwing five innings out of the gate. So, but I think the interesting thing for Jerpy is where's he going to start, which is a question you asked. I think the most likely will be Palm Beach because they bring all the draftees in there for their medical evaluations. And like I said, to assess, you know, what's next for them this year. But if Jerpy does well in Palm Beach, he's definitely a candidate to be like on the Waka plan, which is, you know, finish the season in double A and you finish your first, you know, partial season in double A, then the doors open, you know, for who knows what next year. And Jerpy kind of Jerpy is a guy that looks like he's going to be able to move ahead pretty quickly. In terms of the rest of the draft, uh, give me your evaluation of how the Cardinals did and what direction they went. Well, I think for, one, for the first thing, let's talk about the classes. Uh, you know, the Cardinals have traditionally taken an early pick. Um, you know, we, we saw it with guys um, like Trey John Fletcher, um, John, um, Jordan Baez, uh, where they pick, uh, un, you know, a polished hitter early on from the high school ranks. They didn't do that this year. The Cardinals went 19 straight college picks until their very last pick of the draft. They picked a high schooler. And the idea there is if there's some kind of an unforeseen problem earlier in the draft and there's money left over, then they could come to this young man uh, who was drafted number 20 and, and offer him some pretty good money to forego his college commitment. So that, that's more of a safety valve. So uh, the Cardinals went heavy on college pitchers. They picked um, 13 pitchers overall. And they also uh, went heavy on left-handed pitching early on. And uh, the position players, they just picked up a, a handful of uh, one catcher, a couple shortstops, and some outfielders. So 
they really, really, for the second straight year, uh, you know, focused on pitching in this draft to, frankly, fill a need in the farm system. Yeah, that has been the gap right now as they went heavy with getting position players a few years ago, and we're seeing that uh, rise to the surface with Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and some others. So uh, going heavy on, on pitching, that seems to be uh, a smart move right now by the Cardinals. I think, I think it is, Dan. And, you know, especially that while the AAA pitching has been good and we've seen a number of the guys, you know, with St. Louis at various times this year, uh, pitching at AA uh, especially has, has been a challenge. And, you know, now we're seeing um, guys like from last year's draft, like McGreevy and Graceffo reach AA. But some of these pitchers that we've talked about, um, Bryson Motts, the second rounder from San Diego, might be, might be a reliever, not sure. St. Pete Hansen, the third rounder from Texas. A little less polished, but, uh, you know, great potential. These are some guys that, you know, pitch major college programs and should be able to move pretty quickly in the system and potentially fill up fill some of that uh, pitching gap that exists today. Was there one team that you're hearing, and again, the evaluations are, are you know, flowing in every day, but is there one team that really stood out or uh, were the Cardinals one of those teams? You know, what, what are you hearing about the draft, generally speaking? The Cardinals draft was, you know, an unexciting draft in a way in that, you know, what a lot of the evaluators look for are, you know, are they trying to hit home runs? And home runs a lot of times are these guys that we talked about before, the high odds, high, uh, low odds, high upside um, high school players. And this draft, you know, there's just, there weren't that many when the Cardinals chose to pick. And so they took what you might call a more uh, conservative approach uh, in their draft. But, you know, overall, I think the Cardinals are looking for solid players. And, you know, I think, the, the track record of Randy Flores and his scouts, you know, there's a couple guys who have ERAs, say, above five. Well, you know, uh, when Ryan Helsey was in college, his ERA was over four. So, you know, they, they, the scouts are needed to look at these guys and see their potential, where they can grow physically, where they can grow with more coaching and, and assistance. And, you know, overall, the Cardinals have done pretty well over time. But this draft wasn't one that everybody said, oh, my gosh, well, wow. But yeah, I don't know that that means anything. Any draft, the proof will be down the road when we see how many make the major leagues. For fans that don't know, Brian, how does it work now? You have X amount of dollars to spend on your picks, and, and how does that work? Yeah, that's right, Dan. Every pick uh, for the first 10 rounds are assigned what's called a slot value. And that's uh, it, it comes down from the, the top of about $6 million. By the time the Cardinals first pick, that value is about $3.2 million. And then down to the 10th round where the picks are worth about 150000 And that you add up the, the first 10 rounds worth of pick values, and that comes for the Cardinals to be uh, just under $7 million. And that's the amount that they have to spend for the first 10 rounds. They don't have to give each player their pick value. Uh, in some cases, they might go to a young man and say, hey, I'm going to pick you a little early in the fourth round. You know, we really have you as a six, sixth round talent, so we're going to offer you a little less. And they might use that money to take somebody who maybe is going to be a little more difficult to sign and, and give him a little more money. So it's all about trying to manage to this bottom line total that they can only exceed by 5% without incurring penalties that include loss of draft picks in the future. So they do have a little bit of buffer with that 5%. They could spend about 7.2 million on the first 10 round picks, as well as any pick over the 10 rounds that, that wants over 125,000. So for example, that number 20 rounder, I mentioned that uh, a high schooler, Gavin Van Kempen, the pitcher, if they decide to go after him, it'll probably take more than 125,000, but any money over 125 uh, is applied against that total of 6.8 or 7.2 million uh, for their draft pool. 
there's other uh, business to discuss as we get close to wrapping this up. But Paul DeYoung is swinging the bat pretty well, isn't he? Yeah, you know, it's been a tough ball for Paul DeYoung down in AAA. For folks know his history, you know, former National League All-Star, a guy that looked like was headed for future stardom. And, you know, over the past few years, his his results offensively uh, trickled downward to the point he was uh, had an OPS under 500 and, and got sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, in the month of May, he scuffled. Uh, 634 OPS in AAA, and, you know, there was an adjustment period. By June, he was driving in runs consistently, um, uh, hit a lot of home runs, but, you know, his his average wasn't good, but his OPS was okay, 820. Now, in July, you know, the lights really switched on. He's got a, a 1273 OPS in the month of July and, uh, you know, has been very successful in hitting, run, hitting um, home runs, driving in runs, and really looks like, you know, he's in a good place. The challenge is he's sort of been Wally Pipped, you know. I mean, Nolan Gorman's come up and done an exceptional job. Any questions about whether moving Tommy Edmond from short from second base to shortstop that would hurt the team defensively? Those questions have been answered, and so and of course Brendan Donovan has earned significant uh, playing time as well. And so there's really just nowhere for Paul DeYoung. So you have to wonder as the Cardinals look at potential um, trades to improve their pitching, which is their number one identified need. I think everybody would agree. You know, Paul DeYoung might be a guy that is a, is a change of, of venue candidate uh, for another organization. I think he has more good baseball left in him. I would advise everybody to head to thecardinalnation.com. Great, great breakdown of the draft with, as Brian mentioned, video and uh, the bios and the kids that they drafted and whatnot. So I know you've been working hard on that, Brian. What else uh, could people find at thecardinalnation.com right now? Well, we break down every transaction that occurs across the system, talk about the impacts of them. Uh, we continue with our team reports, as all the minor league teams, uh, except for the Dominican Summer League, took this week off during the All-Star period, so that gives us a chance to kind of see where they are. Most of them, as we talked about in previous week, are now in their second half of the st- of season, their second half standing, so they all have a, you know, have a new, refreshed chance to make the playoffs. And then one of the things we'll be working on that we're working on already started on is a re-ranking of our top 50 as we look at these uh, draft picks that the Cardinals signed, you know, where are we going to insert them among the top prospects in the system? And that's a little bit challenging because they haven't played professional ball yet, but it's a lot of fun to, you know, look at these players and see where they stack up and adjust them as they get into the, into the uh, professional game. Love it. Thanks Brian for doing this. And uh, I'll be in Toronto next week. You'll be, uh, well, you'll be hunkered down doing minor league work. So we always appreciate it your work at thecardinalnation.com, and uh, I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Sounds good, Dan. And in, uh, in August, we'll be back down in Jupiter to not only see Palm Beach, but also see the um, Florida Complex League Cardinals, where you know some of these players will begin as well. Love that. Boots on the ground. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Thank you, Dan.